I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi there, welcome to The Call. This is the program that we cover 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests over the space of an hour. It is a Friday, the 23rd of July. I'm Nadine Blaney. It's a Friday and that means we're welcoming our audience, uh, not just on Twitter and our live stream as per usual, but also on Facebook and YouTube. It's great to have you along for the ride. We do this program every day, every weekday, I should say, Monday to Friday. We have two great expert guests, a dynamic duo with us here today, virtually, of course. Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Now, it is Claude's birthday today. Congratulations on another year. Well done, Claude. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Now I'm blushing. You know, well, you should, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to sing to you because we understand that there's some big plans. Uh, at your your happy household there for you a little bit later on. Uh, look, guys, Thanks. we saw a bit of a wobble uh, in markets this week, but it all seems to be ancient history right now. Rudy, did uh, anything sort of change your outlook as far as your portfolio this week? Uh, no, uh, that's absolutely not. I do think that um, um, this, this market is being carried forward uh, by very, very... Uh, strong expectations for the upcoming uh, August reporting season. And, and my understanding is that um, expectations are equally very high in the United States and in Europe. And if anyone questions why, why markets find it very, pretty much un impossible to, to literally sell off or have a decent correction here, I think those expectations are, are the answer to all questions. Okay, so earnings season is upcoming. Now, we have had a bit of a reemergence of the growth thematic as well. Claude, I know that you readjusted your portfolio a couple of months back when it looked as if growth was on the out. So again, is there any sort of a change in strategy that's happening there for you? Uh, not really. So I still, did that. I still did that readjustment a while ago and I'm still in the readjusted phase. So I'm a little bit less... Uh, towards the growth stocks as um, I have been before. Like I've been pretty relentlessly selling down some of like my largest holding. Um, uh, but the thing is, I do things incrementally and slowly. So even though I am moving more towards more defensive businesses at the moment, I'm still overall like invested in software stocks and growth stocks and, and that kind of never changes. It's just like the degree to which I'm bent that way is, um, is what I try to change a little bit. 
Um, so, you know, I've bought, I've been buying a company on 11 times um, forecast earnings uh, this week and selling one on, you know, 111 times revenue. So that's kind of what my mindset is, but I'm still overweight towards the, the really highly priced stuff. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks for sharing that. I know sometimes I'm a bit nosy, but, you know, I do it on behalf of all of our viewers. Let's get into the program, shall we? Zip. Zipco is our stock of the day today. Now, shares are rebounding slightly from yesterday's sell-off. Its quarterly report, I suppose, disappointed investor, despite a bumper 104% rise in revenue. COO Peter Gray yesterday telling Ausbiz that he's pretty pleased with the results and he's all about the U.S. Particularly pleasing was the continued execution and acceleration in the key market of the U.S. So AUS numbers have uh, increased over 200% year on year, uh, which is a great outcome. Not only have we uh, increased, but we've also maintained market leading margins uh, in the face of uh, spirited competition. We believe we can become uh, the most trusted, fair and responsible payments brand in the world. So so that is Peter Gray, COO of Zipco. They're talking to us yesterday. Uh, Rudy, I would like to start with you, I think, with Zip. Um, the brokers are a bit divided on this one, uh, mm. but most have had an opinion and weighed in on that quarterly report. So, you know, sum it up for us and give us your view. I think, I think to sum it up really uh, succinctly, I think expectations were higher. Uh, at face value, those numbers, of course, look look fantastic, but that's not always the point. The point is what is priced in and what, what are analysts expecting, because that is basically what moves the share price here. So those numbers look great, but expectations were higher. So what we've seen since the result is that uh, expectations have been lowered. But having said so, uh, there's, there's a fair argument to be made that this share price is not uh, priced to the max. And, and that's why Bobby explains why today the share price is not falling any further, but it's now being seen as representing more value after the sell-off we had yesterday. And that's mm. the short story, I think. Yeah, all right. And do you like Zip as an investment prospect now, knowing that there's competition increasing in the space, knowing that they bought the quad pay business because it was such mm. a strong brand, but of course now they're rebranding it, mm. going with a global brand? Yes, exactly. I, I, I think point number one to, to, to be made, I think should be made, is that the easy gains are now made for this sector. But point two is equally important. Growth is not necessarily at an end here for that sector. So this is this is definitely an innovation that's going global. Uh, but needless to say, there's just too many people uh, trying to have, have a piece of the pie. So what we will see is uh, a consol consolidation happening one way or another. So some some business will go out of business, other ones will be bought. Um, I have to say this, that the share price recently uh, moved up because there was speculation that Zip themselves might become a target, and, and that is not uh, inconceivable. My view when investing in, in this type of, of, of segments of the market, it's, it's usually quite simple. I, you go for the market leaders, and whether we like them or not, Afterpay is the market leader. Uh, but I have to say, Zip is definitely a, a very, very good second. But it remains to be seen whether they whether that's enough to to survive in this in this market over time. So I, I have to say that if if I if someone puts a gun against my head and says you have to buy a, 
uh, one, one, one stocks in the sector right now, I would probably opt for, for Afterpay. Mm -hmm. uh, a second choice would be Zip. I would, I would not, even, not even look at, uh, at the 1,012 others that are now springing up uh, worldwide because I don't believe they have a sustainable business model longer term. Good. Well, that's not a ringing endorsement of Zip, so that is not a buy coming from you, Rudy. Claude, what about you? Because, again, we're seeing a little bit of a bounce after yesterday's sell-off in Zip. Does it offer good value at this stage of the game? You know, with uh, City, for example, says that, you know, there could be some corporate interest in the business, or at least there is that speculation out there. I guess um, it depends what you mean by value there. Uh, in the sort of traditional sense of trying to uh, buy a stock at below, you know, the value of the actual business, I don't think any of the buy now, pay later do offer good value. Um, I think these are stocks that are, they're the equivalent of, you know, any kind of industry that's been in a bubble in the past. Like I remember in 2013, it was 3D printing and, um, you know, there's been, you know, there's like clicks, clicking websites like um, basic internet websites, pets.com back in the day. It's just, the whole thing is just a massive, uh, you, you cannot deny that the sentiment around this um, industry is massively optimistic. And, um, you know, Zip, even excluding the loss that had to do with the acquisition of PodPay, which I'll just ignore, um, they, made a, they made a loss of like $150 million in the last half. And none of these businesses are mature enough for people, in my view, to with any confidence be able to forecast the profit going forward. Now, I'm not hesitant to buy stocks that aren't yet making a profit, but there's, I just don't know how people are, are modeling the profit that there's like brokers are competing with themselves for more and more heroic um, assumptions because these businesses are capital intensive and constantly need to raise more money, which means that the brokers can make money by um, being part of those raisings. So, you know, I wouldn't bother valuing any of these companies. I think if you're trying to make money with them, then you're, you just want to trade on the sentiment, trade on the, on the hype machine and the excitement. And um, if that's what you're doing, then clearly Afterpay is probably the safest option because it's always going to have the most hype around it being the leader. Um, now, I don't do any of that, but that would be my approach to it if I was going to try and... Um, buy shares in it and for that reason i completely agree with rudy's ranking of them it would be the best one would be afterpay and probably the next best one would be um zip um just in terms of actual value compared to the other ones probably zip is the best value but i'm just not sure value actually is what is dictating the prices here okay got it so this is not a buy for you no it's not a sell either it's just this is a i'm i i'm sorry to say that this is just the sector that I am not equipped to play in very well, and I don't have an advantage over other people in it at all. Yeah, well, uh, that's good advice, you know, really coming through for our viewers. And also just a reminder that this is uh, information only. It's not financial advice. If you do decide to, you know, take an interest in any of the companies that we do discuss, uh, not talking to you guys on screen, but for our viewers, you know, you do need to take your own uh, circumstances into consideration and get advice. All right, let's get to the companies that have been nominated by our viewers. Harry is the first on the list. This is PropTech. 
tech group PTG. He's saying, I think this might be up Claude's alley. They've recently had a capital raise to fund the acquisition of Eagle Software. So this is a, a company that has a number of brands under its umbrella, Claude. It's uh, everything from marketing automation right through to management of CRMs. So the name, it's not sort of in line with these startup-y prop tech companies that you might think of. It's almost like software as a service, am I correct? Yeah, so that's, um, you are correct. Uh, I guess to just get a little more nuance there. So this is, a, this is an interesting stock. It is the kind of company that I do look at, of course. Um, but I guess to be a little bit brutal, what it is is a roll-up initially of i guess fairly unexciting software not necessarily software as a service but just um software uh systems that are designed to help real estate agents run their businesses so that's the crm customer relationship management side of things so that's the day-to-day -day of running their business um when they when they'll log on in the morning you know that's going to see um the the workflow and their client base and, and allow them to to track what they're doing there. They initially bought the bulk of this customer base from Domain, which had a sort of a product that was that CRM that they, that they sort of sold on to real estate agents. And what it's done since then is acquire uh, a bunch of other um, software companies in the same space. And really, um, you know, as I understand it, what, what the first step in their plan is, is to, uh, acquire more scale and more market dominance so i think that they sort of got to around 35 percent 40 percent of the australian new zealand real estate market are using their crm software now within the crm they're sort of transitioning from the older on-premise kind of product as i understand it to a newer sort of software as a service kind of product so there's that transitioning happening there and um the plan is to basically do the same thing potentially in the uk build up um their customer base and then start um, cross-selling and adding in more products. So they're doing more of the property tech, I guess, for these real estate agents. So I think they recently bought uh, the, you know, a, a website uh, designing kind of um, business that they can sort of upsell onto that. They're going to, they've already got, and I think they're planning to do a property management module. So they're basically, they are looking to get that big customer base and then expand in there, which is a totally reasonable strategy, which is quite good, but it's not quite as good as a company that um, already is just building these things out and growing organically. Cause what these guys have done, the majority of their growth has come from just acquiring. Mm -hmm. So on that, in that perspective, it's kind of a roll up. Um, yeah. And they've recently done a share purchase plan to fund an acquisition. So this is the dilution that comes with acquiring. That's one of the reason acquisition, acquisition, growth usually isn't as good is because you have to issue more shares so i don't own shares in this one but i do think it's definitely interesting and the thing that i'll be watching is whether they can uh get their get their organic growth going once the um acquisition settle down a bit you know what i'd be looking for is these guys to run at roughly break even so not losing heaps of money as they invest in building out their products and growing organically if that's the case they're probably pretty reasonably priced and and it's definitely one i'm watching Okay, on the watch list, not a buy today. Something tells me, Rudy, you're not going to be interested in this company. Why? I could do it very simplistic terms. The computer says no, and Rudy <laughs> says no too. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to admit, I don't follow this company uh, closely. I don't follow it at all, essentially. I mean, there are more than 2,200 uh, entities listed on the stock exchange. 
And as an investor, you you are not doing yourself any service by by paying attention or trying to pay attention to all of them. But I did have a look at the the past data that this uh, company generates, and it looks absolutely terrible. I mean, um, I, I I can see the rationale. At some point, every every stock price has a little bit of momentum uh, underneath the wings. But if I just look at the past data, this this would this would never ever ever land on my radar and i think uh, from my perspective uh, the least said the best okay good we'll move on then to australian strategic minerals asm this is for chris chris i do hope you're watching or listening he says why is its share price higher than linus corp would love a view on this stock and just for our viewers he's drawing a line between this and linus because both of them roughly are in the rare earth space. This one also says that it's got zirconium, meobinium, harine. I can't even say all of the critical metals that it says that it's got access to. It's pointing out megatrends driving demand as we move to cleaner technologies. But I did note, Rudy, it says that uh, in relation to its Dubbo operation, it's fully approved, construction ready, investment is all that's required. Well, this is a listed company, mm. Rudy. So, so where's that investment mm. going to come from? Oh, well, I, I guess they got to get it from the shareholders. Uh, that's very simple. Uh, I, I think this one, one important uh, thing to highlight here as well, because I'm assuming that Chris, the viewer, when he makes his comment of why is the share price higher than Linus, that's not how you should look on the share price. I mean, uh, my initial response would be that one, one has more shares outstanding than the other. And that probably has, has, I mean, the face value of, of a share price doesn't tell you a lot about the ultimate valuation of the company or the shares uh, that, that, that they are trading. So you have to be careful in not just looking at face value. It's not the same as going through the supermarket and trying to pick the, the best value peanut butter or something like that. I mean, share, share market works differently. Having said so, um, I mean, I can see the attraction of playing this 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 gigantic uh, mega trend that's that is that is definitely coming towards us. The only question mark you have to have is: Do you play this via, which is still a very highly speculative uh, early stage uh, development on the stock exchange? And of course, you can, but I would I would recommend doing it through through lesser risk propositions. Uh, it's, I mean, the share price moves up because money flows in. I mean, it doesn't mean that that is a sustainable uh, principle here. These early stage companies uh, have a lot of challenges in front of them. I mean, raising capital would be one of them. And, and, and getting your operations up and running seldom goes in a straight line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So from the moment the momentum comes out of this sector, this share price will tank like a, like a rock. And, uh, and there's plenty of examples in the share market about So what I would recommend is if you do play this sector through this early stage, I mean, do it in a nimble way and make sure that you don't get caught out as the Patsy who buys at the very peak and then stays with the share price for way too long. But needless to say, uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone putting this in their portfolio as a, as a set and forget uh, recommendation. Yeah, so how about you, Claude, Australian Strategic Minerals? There will be a demand for those critical minerals, but again, do you play Rudy, it through? Well, go ahead. I feel like Rudy just took my notes and read them out. <laughs> um, well, then we can whip through uh, this. You know, give us yeah, your, no, your quick take. This is impossible, by the way. I'm in Sydney and you can. Yeah, yeah, no, you can. 
it was all original stuff. No, like, uh, Rudy's spot on, and he said it better than I could have. The one thing I'd just add um, for Chris is that it's super important that you understand um, not just market capitalization, which is the actual values when you're comparing two companies, but also enterprise value, which is the valuation after that you're valuing the business at after you um, take into account cash and debt as well. That can be really important for big mining companies. Like I think Linus has $500 million cash, for example. Um, so, you know, if you just Google uh, the exact phrase calculating enterprise value from primary documents, you'll find an article I wrote telling you how to do that. But that's how you compare two companies and that will allow you to put them next to each other and say, well, um, Australian Strategic Materials is worth this and Linus is worth this and that's what I'm paying for them. And yeah, look, I, otherwise I agree what Rudy said. Um, this would be a super high risk to play way to play this theme, put it that way. Yeah, all right. So let's move on from that one. Thanks, Chris. Get to a question for Kate. Look, we've got to say, I haven't checked the share price today, Rudy, but Simic has had a good week, even though it's a company you've got to say plenty of people love to hate. Uh, getting a bit of love from Credit Suisse, upgrading it. Uh, look, saying that project momentum appears to be building and it looks like it will continue in the second half. Rudy Simic. Yeah, Rudy Simic. I, I rather have you not that doing in the same sentence, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, like to take some distance from Simic. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not amongst the groupies and the fans. I mean, as a, as I mean, for for institutional investors, there's there's plenty not to like here. I mean, uh, just the share price has a good week. If you take a longer term view, you'll you'll find that the share price has been a lot higher. And this actually used to be in their in their previous uh, constellation. This used to be one of their market favorites for for a very long time, when when they when they used to be called uh, a quality uh, stock in in their sector. I mean, there, there have been quite a few corpses coming out of the woodwork here. Uh, one of the things absolutely not to like is basically this is Spanish owned. I mean, and the Spaniards will do anything that is in their interest to get the maximum value out of this. Um, yes, it has that um, it is supported by by the prospect of, of increased uh, spending on infrastructure. Uh, it is withdrawing from from its Asian ventures, which have, has cost them a lot of money, by the way. Personally, I think there are better uh, companies to play that thematic through. The whole sector of of of, of mining services and infrastructure services and and engineers and contractors in Australia is, with a few exceptions, is is really lowly valued here. Um, I mean, most analysts would call them all a buy and all undervalued. Uh, to me, it's not clear what exactly is going to set off share prices um, for NRW Holdings and Emicor and, and, and you name it. But um, as a value investor, I'm, I'm certain that people would be scooping up some of those stocks and just sit on them because at some stage they will rally. Uh, I mean, for Simic, I have a, I have a built-in skepticism that if a company has generated so much bad news over the past decade, that all of a sudden that that uh, that that trend will stop, and and out of a risk perspective, I just can't get excited. Even though one would have to say that maybe they've cleaned up their balance sheet completely now, and there's no corpses coming out anymore, and the share price is not uh, mm -hmm. egregious over overvalued here. But I just can't get excited about this one. Okay, do you like to keep your distance from Simic as well, Claude? Yeah, I mean it's just no no chance I would invest in this kind of business. Um, 
I think a really important concept that I think at least we can get out of this discussion, and I think that you'll see it through both what Rudy and I say about companies, is that we look at quality and the most the most obvious thing you need to look at when you're considering the quality of the company is how capital intensive it is, how good its margins are, and basically what you're testing is the ability for that company to not need any new capital, doesn't need debt, doesn't need to raise capital, and it can reinvest in its own growth. That is the key um, thing that you need to consider when you consider quality of a company. And that's why, you know, Rudy likes the, um, you know, the stuff like CSL and ResMed, which has all that like reinvestment ability and high margins. And I like the same stuff, but it's just a little companies that have mm -hmm. that reinvestment ability what we're talking about here is like a big lumbering you know just that it's like the elephant version of a company you look at that long-term share price and it tells the story and basically it comes back to you know i'm going to do something a bit cliched but like quote quote the buffett thing you know basically buffett has explained very clearly you know that you want to invest in companies that can reinvest in themselves without needing heaps of capital and you want to be able to as the owner take that capital out for yourself and this isn't that kind of business. So look, short term, work in hand, looks like it's going up, looks like things are positive. Um, you know, analysts are expecting, you know, uh, earnings per share to rebound from their current, uh, well, from FY21, right? So they, but when they rebound, analysts are only expecting them to get back to the level they were before, um, like last year. So this isn't a secular growth story. It's priced at like 11 times 2023 earnings. I. I just don't see what I don't see anything that's interesting about it. Like I would be surprised if it beats the market, but certainly you're taking on way more risk yeah. than risk than just investing in the market broadly. All right. So, not so much game. that is I'm glad you dropped in Warren Buffett because we've got fans of Charlie Munger, at least on Twitter, following along. So there you go. Shout out to you guys. Let's get to the next company on the list. And I'm going to start with you, Claude, because you name dropped 3D printing from 2013. So the next company on the list is AML3D. AL3 is the ticker code for Samuel. He says it seems to have got a bit of traction after a small order it's done with Boeing. So since 2013, have the losers been washed out of the system? You know, there is a place for 3D printing in this world. So is AL3 a company that you could back? Uh, yeah, so I guess to answer the first part of the question is, I don't think there are any of the 3D printing companies that were all the rage back in the day have delivered and, you know, they've all just sort of come down. And there was a bunch, there were some listed in the, on the ASX, little tiny ones that uh, don't exist anymore. And I'm surprised that, you know, the thematic has so much legs because it comes back to exactly what I was talking about before. Like, if you want to have a good business, you want to have some sort of thing where, you know, you can just grow. You don't need to spend heaps of money. These guys are capital intensive to grow. They, um, the, the viewer is like excited about the fact that they've got a order from Boeing, but that order is for below $50,000, not even $50,000, below $50,000. These guys call themselves the, a leader in large-scale additive metal layering 3D printing, right? But in the last nine months, they've made less than $1 million in um, receipts from customers. So to me, what that's telling me is that, you know, what this is, this this stock is about, it. it's about telling a story about how they're going to do something one day and how they're going to be profitable one day, but they're nowhere near being profitable now. And um, it's actually possible that this business is worth nothing. And so when you've got a hundred percent downside and 
it's just you need to have really good upside to make it work. And yeah, you could have upside and, and maybe the share price has come down enough since it was hyped up, you know, at, at 60 cents not that long ago. But I would certainly avoid this kind of business. Really? But I like high risk stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So AL3 is not a buy. It's an avoid. No. In fact, mm. I would just imagine that it's an, an avoid for you, Rudy. You're spoiled for choice out there with the 2,000 plus listed companies exactly. on the AFX. Exactly. I would actually take it. I would actually take it a step further. I would say, is this a business? Double question mark. Um, and for me, I mean, I mean, I think if you have a look, just have a look at the daily trading volumes in this stock, and and they can be as low as that as as what I pay for my breakfast, preferably, uh, but not too far off, by the way. Which means I might have an expensive breakfast, but I mean, as as a serious investor, maybe maybe, needless to say, if you spend two hundred dollars on an investment, even if you double your money, you're only making two hundred dollars. Uh, I'd rather make $10 uh, or 10% out of $20,000, and then I am in a better place. Uh, so, I, I, to be honest, every stock has its moment under the sun. I think that share price graph tells it all. Um, if, if people ask me sometimes, Rudy, how do you recognize a quality company? Well, a quality company is the complete opposite of that share price graph, and, and that is visual for everyone. So, uh, if there was a step further than avoid, I would like to uh, employ that here. All right. Okay. We'll try to come up with one. All right, Rudy, put your thinking cap on. Boy, we're not getting many hits this show, but uh, look, we're here to be honest and nothing but. So computer share is next on the list. CPU. Uh, so, so this one, look, it's got outperformed from Credit Suisse. A lot of the brokers like this one, but Morgan's does not. It has cut it to a hold because the share price has rallied 20% since March. So again, Rudy, would you be buying computer share today if you in fact like the business? Uh, I'm going to take a different, different angle here. I, I, the answer is you could, yes. And, and the reason for that is, is, and this is going to be a little bit left, left field, but, but accurate nevertheless. If, if you believe that the current state in global bond markets is a little bit um, too far to, 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 the, to the bottom side and that bond yields will, will rise, let's say, over the next two years, then computer share would be one of the stocks you might consider putting in your portfolio because they are one of the main beneficiaries in the share market of rising bond yields. And, and that is a bit left field, um, but sometimes you have to have a diversified portfolio and, and this could be one of those um, stocks you add just on the expectation that at some point the bond market will turn and this share price will benefit from it. Now, having said so, um, I'm old enough to remember when this was one of the quality stocks in Australia that survived the, the meltdown of the NASDAQ in, in, in March 2000. And it was long regarded at, as one of those highly quality uh, companies we had in Australia in the technology sector. Personally, it still thrives on that on that on that label. But personally, I think they've lost that somewhat over the years, as also being uh, um, uh, illustrated by the fact that they had to move out of their core or their core operations. Basically, they're now doing mortgages in the UK and in the, in the United States, which is which is. It's related, but it's not quite the same as, as servicing um, um, shareholder services to listed companies. 
So, I mean, it is, it, it is not a bad company at, as such, but I wouldn't also not, I would no longer consider it as one of the highly quality uh, growers in, in Australian stock exchange. And you see that in the price chart that hasn't moved anywhere over the past mm-hmm. six, seven years or so. So, but I do think that if you are of the view that you have to have a diversified portfolio and maybe you don't have enough um, um, exposure in case bond yields go the other way, then it doesn't have to be done through uh, IGO or Orocobre or, or BHP. You can do it through uh, uh, through uh, computer share. And just to give you one example, the likes of Credit Suisse, which you just mentioned, uh, they are convinced that if bond yields go higher over the next few years, that this share price will double. So there's quite some uh, upside on on, uh, on offer here. Can you just clarify, is that a buy from you, Rudy? That is a buy for the reason I just mentioned. Okay, got it. Your <laughs> view on the economic cycle and where we're at. Claude, what can you add? What can you agree or disagree with? Well, so I definitely agree with the fact that this is a way to, um, you know, protect your portfolio somewhat against rising bond yields. Uh, that's like, you know, a, a key part of it. It's probably why the share price has been up uh, 20, 20% lately. Um, having said that, if we just go and then look at the actual earnings multiple it is on now, it's on about, um, look, if you double what they say management EPS are for the second half, um, then it's on about 26 times earnings. If you go off, if you go off the uh, actual analyst estimates, then it's on a higher multiple than that. But given that this grows mostly, I think Rudy may know, but it's done a lot, the exact number, but it's done a lot of acquisitions over the years. And, you know, I wouldn't say it's really much of an organic growth business. And so as a result, you know, I think even if its earnings did double, then this thing would be priced at sort of mid-teens EPS, which isn't ridiculous. Um, it's not ridiculously cheap, that is. So I'm, I don't know. I don't think it's that good. I, I guess I would say I'd call it a hold at best. Um, it does make sense for the, for the reason that Rudy... Uh, outline though that that could be a way to hedge that but yeah look it's just not that cheap to me and it also it doesn't have the high like the the organic growth that i look for and also i just wonder you know i feel like people have been saying this for a long time and obviously they do have sticky relationships except i just feel like it could get um disrupted in the future i don't think that the services they mm-hmm. do um have a sort of any kind of real moat other than scale so you know, uh, I think there is some risk there that somebody comes along and says, oh, we're going to start trying to take your business and we'll yeah. burn capital to do it. Got it. All right, guys, you have a bit of a break. Have a sip of water. I will sum up what we've learned so far, starting with the stock of the day. So that zip code, Z1P is the ticker code. Uh, look, it's an avoid for Claude. He says no no company in the buy now pay later space offers value. He just doesn't know how to model these companies. So he stays away from the space. Rudy says, if you are looking in the BNPL space, you've got to go with the leader, which is unfortunately for it, not Zip. It's Afterpay, he says. But in his view, there's just too many companies that are trying to get a piece of that BNPL pie. So that is not going in the portfolio. Onto the companies that have been nominated by you. For Harry, PropTech Group, the computer says no to Rudy. He says it would never even land on his radar. It's a no. Claude's not quite so negative. He says he is watching this one. What he wants to see is organic growth from here because it's very much been a roll-up story. It's not a buy today. Australian Strategic Materials, 
Uh, Rudy says, don't think of these companies on face value in terms of a share price. And Claude says, you've got to go do your research about enterprise value. This is a no from both of my guests. It's very risky. It's a very, very risky way to try to get your hands on that mega trend being the move towards cleaner, greener technologies. Uh, Simic, again, Rudy just wants to keep his, he doesn't even like his name being mentioned in the same sentence as Simic, to be honest. He's a firm no there. It's a no from Claude as well because he likes quality and this is not quality in his view. AML3D for Samuel. Uh, look, if Claude says it's just too capital intensive to grow. Um, it's possible this business is worth nothing because it's not making money. And even its most recent uh, deal that was done with Boeing was less than $50,000. I mean, that's not how you build a business, at least in terms of shareholder value. And Rudy's questioning whether it even is a business. So he doesn't see any investment case for AL3 Samuel. Then we get to computer share and it gets a little bit more interesting here as far as a divergence of opinion from these guys because it's a buy for Rudy because if you believe the bond prices will, uh, bond yields I should say, will rise going forward as we enter this uh, rising interest rate environment, well, this could be a way to play it. If you're looking for that diversification and exposure to that theme, Credit Suisse, for example, says that its share price could double in the next three to five years on that thematic. Um, look, Claude just doesn't think that it's a very exciting business. There's not much organic growth. He questions whether it will be disrupted. You heard him talking about that just then. And it's not cheap, so it's a hold at best. Rudy, I should say, does give it a buy because of that ability to, uh, you know, for that bond yield story, while he says that it has lost its luster as a top tech company. So that brings us officially to the halfway mark. And uh, let's get through our fantasy portfolio that we've been tracking since uh, July 1st last year, courtesy of our partners at NabTrade. Thanks, NabTrade, because it's been a lot of fun to see how we're going. Weekly, we're down just over half a percent. On the month, up 2.3%. Year to date, we've put on close to 37%. We've got Global Data Center Investment Fund in there. We've got Strike Resources, VentureX Resources, Galaxy Resources, which had a good day yesterday, actually, and Flight Center as well. Well, we've just had news that the travel bubble between here and New Zealand has been closed, and of course, really dismal numbers coming out of New South Wales in terms of COVID and the Delta variant today. But before we get too down on this Friday afternoon, let's get back to it. Uh, actually, we'll be talking with Gemma Dale from NabTrade just after 1 p.m. today. So we'll see what's been moving on the platform this week. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of interesting insights. No doubt we'll be talking about Zip and Afterpay again. So you'll want to stick around for that. Uh, but to my point, let's get back to the companies that have been nominated by you. We are just about 20 minutes left in the program. Osco Healthcare. I'm going to start with you, Claude. AHC is the ticker code for Frank. He's saying, um, yeah, it's a micro cap. It's now profitable though, growing revenues, 35 million market cap. So yeah, in the micro space. What do you think? It's recently won a $3 million contract with a Singaporean hospital. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good for a company that size, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's not that impressive because uh, its actual revenue over the last five years or so hasn't um, actually increased that much. So there's a bit of fanfare around uh, announcing a big contract. But what you want to keep an eye on um, is the overall revenue that they generate each half year. And that that's flat to down over the last half decade. So 
I wouldn't be too impressed by that. However, I do own um, the shares in this one, but there's a little bit of nuance to that. So um, forgive me, I just do need to explain. Um, basically, I um, have a very long memory and I remember when this company, you know, was flying at 45 cents per share and the nature of the business is only about 14% of the revenue is recurring. So as they win these bigger contracts, they, their, their revenue goes up um, in a sort of lumpy way, depending on which seg, which um, half they book it in. And, um, you know, if you have a few good halves in a row, have a few good wins, uh, that revenue keeps going up, but the cost base stays more or less the same. So the profit skyrockets up, uh, but it, although it's not necessarily sustainable. So what happened a few years ago is that the prior CEO, um, you know, was presiding over a period where the profit was skyrocketing up. I don't know if we've got the five-year chart, might have it, or it might even be beyond that now. Yeah, it's actually um, beyond that. You have to go back further to about 2014, I think it was. And it got up to 45 cents per share. Now, it's essentially the same business. It was called uh, uh, Azua Healthcare back then. And, um, you know, the profits were not sustainable and the profit growth was not sustainable. But it looked like the profit was growing up and up and over a few different, um, you know, half years and years. And then it got to the top. And then and then the CEO sold a large number of shares, mil ten, mm -hmm. like millions of dollars worth of shares. And then the profit just went away. Um, and it just it was just, you know, a massive the profit massively dropped off. It was only a few months later they gave the they gave the um the warning that they weren't their profit was gonna be massively down on the on the year before. And that's just because, you know, a few contracts less and then suddenly um their profit gets, you know, basically wiped out because of that operating leverage can work both ways. And so it's come down, it's gone all the way down to five cents and bumped wrong. It's got a new CEO yeah. now. Um I do think it's a bit of a better story. And so I like, but I don't think it's fundamentally, I don't think the business has fundamentally changed, right? So I just think we're now going to go through another cycle, probably, I hope, um, where that profit starts going up a bit. Now, I think that this company is probably actually worth, it's profitable across the cycle, yep. like long term, it's worth something. So I think the downside is limited. If I've got it wrong, and it actually, this is a false start, and it's not going to go up, then I could lose about 50%. But if we get another one of those periods where the profit goes up and up and the market starts extrapolating that, you know, I can see where it makes $3 million profit and gets a, a, a P ratio of 30. And then suddenly the share price is at 30 cents twice that twice what it's currently is. So for me, I'm just looking at the risk reward and saying, well, if I'm wrong, I'm going to sell my shares, I might lose 50% or less, quite likely. Mm -hmm. And if I'm right, I could probably make 100% or more if the markets really gets really excited. So that's what I'm thinking about. It's more just a, it's more just a sociological. I understand this business. I've watched it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think that I know, I think I'm happy to back myself understanding what's going on here better than the average um, punter, basically. So I'm going to make the call like that. But this is not um, a high quality uh, med tech stock that I would, um, you know, encourage people to set and forget on, basically. And, so you know, I've written something about this for supporters, but maybe I'll release that for free sometime soon so everyone can read what I think in the details there. Okay, so this is a trade for you. Yeah, it's yeah. like maybe a medium to like medium term trade. I hope if it, if it's a, if it works badly, it's a short term trade. If it if it actually works and starts getting that earnings momentum, then I'll hold on to it for a little while because it can string together like a couple of years yeah. of upwards profits, right? That's what you want to see because that's when the market will start believing believing that it's going to go up and up and up and up forever. But I'm I'm more skeptical than that. Okay, Rudy, you can keep it short. Would you buy Osco <laughs> Health today? 
<laughs> Claude is sort of suspecting that the market is going to pay attention to, uh, to, to, uh, to a company that he has followed for 10 years and still only has 35 million in, in revenue in, <laughs> yeah. in, in per year and it's not growing at all. So if anyone of the viewers wants a definition of, of or wants a view about what's a quality stock, a quality stock is that at the very least the revenue is growing over time. Yeah. And one of my, I mean, I can maybe throw in one of my favorite uh, observations from a while ago is when when Maya relisted on the stock exchange, I said to everyone, you do realize that their annual revenue is still lower than what it was in 1995. Mm. I mean, so that yeah. was like 20 years before, and they still hadn't grown anywhere past that. That is a definition of a, of, a, of a company you can have in your portfolio. One that has over 10 years, nah, it's, it's a trade at most. And I'm actually thinking that it's for the Panthers only because at 35 million uh, market cap or, or annual revenue, nine, yeah. there's a question mark again. Is it actually a company? Um, so no, 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 nowhere near my, uh, my appetite. Yeah, you made that clear. All right, <laughs> let's get to 5G and 5G networks. This is for Nigel saying, look, it suffered in excess of a 50% pullback since the highs back in 2020. Rudy, I'll start with you. It's nothing to do with 5G. It's cloud-based solutions, no. managed services, network services. It has had a merger with Web Central, but uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, there was a bit of an issue with that merger from the start, wasn't there? To be honest, uh... Uh, last time Claude and I uh, uh, discussed this company, that was, I think, before the merger, and we both were enthusiastic about it because, uh, as Claude pointed out at the time, it's essentially a roll-up model, just another one. Um, I'm usually of the view that if a share price drops by 50%, it's probably not quite valid. There's probably something wrong there somewhere. Although I have to say now, now that they are in merger talks, it's all about whether that continues and how much synergies they can have of the business and and, and etc. Yeah, I'm not I'm not expert enough to make that assessment. I mean, I I do not know enough about both companies, but I can tell you one thing: this is also has not been on my radar. I don't regard this as a as a high quality uh, company for the longer term. I think uh, Claude is probably has probably a more in depth view on on 5G. I think. What do you think, uh, Claude? Uh, yeah, look, my, my view hasn't changed. They are continuing their strategy, um, acquiring the latest one, Web Central. Look, this is domain hosting, stuff like that. We've had a couple of listed domain hosting companies before uh, on, on the um, stock exchange. And look, they I'm going to say the history makes it clear they really do struggle to get like sustained, really good organic growth. Um, there's a lot of competition in that, in that space as well. Like it's hard, to, yeah, you know, um, that kind of, IT work, it's not super high margin. These guys are talking about a bit the margins of 20%. That doesn't get me excited as a long-term hold. And what's more, and I think really the killer for me is, you know, they have um, pro forma revenue in FY 2021 at 107 million and then pro forma revenue um, in FY 22 at 120 million. So that is pretty low growth. Um, and that's just a forecast. And usually, you know, these kind of roll-up companies have to be a bit more promotional because what they're doing is they're using their shares to buy other things to grow. So they have quite a vested interest in having a higher share price. So yeah, I just steer clear of this one personally. That doesn't mean the share price won't go up or down. It's come down a fair bit recently. You know, that could definitely come back up. It's a bit demultiple, isn't super high, 
Um, but again, I don't really pay much attention to a bid to multiples. It's not that it's not what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at what the end impact is or, or for this kind of business, I'm looking at what the dividend they can play is. And it's not mature enough to attract me. I'd, I'd need to see this one settle into dividend paying and stuff like that for me to get interested. Okay, got it. That's 5G Networks for Nigel for Harry. Objective Corporation. Claude, this is OCL. Share price has been rising as of late. Annual recurring revenue, that's sort of that metric that a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on, rightly so, in terms of some of these types of businesses, was up by about 31% um, when it last reported. So what do you think of Objective Corporation? Well, I, I think you can find the stuff I've said about this before because we've talked yeah. about it at least twice over the years and I've been positive the whole time. I think we talked about it on virtually the first show me and Rudy ever did together. It was like 5 or $6 at the time. Um, yeah, it, it is a cracking stock. Um, I should disclose it's my fourth largest holding at the moment. So, you know, obviously I've been long this since more than a year ago. So it's gone up a lot. Um, okay, so sold. then I will, sorry, I'll interrupt there just for a sec, only in the interest of time. Um, because all of our viewers should go back and listen to what Claude has been saying about this over the more than a year. Um, but Claude, you know, if your thesis to invest in this company still holds true and there hasn't been any major change, um, now that we've seen the share price rise, I mean, would you still be buying it today? Would you add to your position? Well, my last buy wasn't that long ago. I have to check the exact price, but um, I think it was, you know, it was maybe around... I can't remember exactly, but it wasn't that long ago. I don't think I've paid $17. Um, I can check it and get back to you. But basically, like, this is actually one of the proper high-quality ASX businesses, right? I'm not selling. I haven't sold um, any shares in this since, you know, we talked about it more than a year ago. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've only bought since then. I definitely bought more at $10. I've paid higher than that as well. And the reason is now it's not such good value, but this is actually a high-quality business. Um, it has a little bit of acquisitive growth. It has a little bit of organic growth. Um, it makes earnings. Um, it, you know, it, it pays a it pays a small dividend now. Its ARR is going up now. If you look at the pricing now, um, I have it on a PE ratio of around um, 90, 90 or a hundred, right? So it's expensive now. When we're talking about it at half the price, you might have thought it was too expensive on a PE ratio of forty five, but actually that was cracking good value because this is a good quality, good long term. Um, software business that has super sticky customers is exactly where I put most of my money. Like a lot of, forget Ostco, you know, that is just a, a dalliance. Mm -hmm. This is like a long-term holding that's a good quality business. The founder controls it. He hasn't been selling. Um, he doesn't promote the stock. Uh, look, I, I want to back him, even though it's a super high multiple now. And, you know, I'm hoping that we're going to see some real fireworks in this one once it gets um, gets put into the indices because it's, mm -hmm. it's a pretty big company now. It Usually a company this size would already be in the ASX 200 or whatever, but it's not because it's not very liquid. So yeah. I reckon when that gets in, we're going to have a party, you know, a few Bloody Marys, that kind of thing, because <laughs> all of the force, all, all of the force buyers, they're going to buy. They're the people that you want to sell to. You want to sell to the, yeah. the people that are the, the, the robots that don't look at the valuation. They don't know if it's at 96 times earnings or... 150 times earnings. So that's why I'm still holding on, even though I have to admit it's very expensive now. Okay, so Rudy, has uh, Claude convinced yes. you over the past year to get into this one? And would you do it today? And uh, we'll just have to keep it a little bit quicker, guys, sorry. Yes, I know, and, I, and I'm going to be very quick. I, I can repeat the same thing as I did last year, with the exception now that Objective has performed a lot better than Technology One. 
so I'm, I'm of the view here, if you are in, a, in objective, stay the course like, like Claude does. If you are yet to enter this sector, now might be the time to enter via technology one, because for simple reason it has underperformed. Performed. Uh, it's the same type of business, just larger, better track record over a longer time. And at the moment, better value, and uh, I'm a shareholder in, in, uh, in, in Technology One, and I'm doing the same thing as Claude, I'm staying the course. Yeah, and, and more liquid, I suppose, as well than objective. And I know you look for that, Rudy. Okay, ripe for Oscar. So again, a cloud and service provider for software licensing. It's in Australia, New Zealand, and also other places in the globe as well. RHP, Rudy, do you like it? No, it doesn't matter. My view doesn't matter now. There's, there's, there's a takeover bid. The share price is there. Uh, if you were in the company, uh, uh, praise the luck that fell on your lap and sell now. Uh, because if this bid falls, th falls through, the share price will just revert to where it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, move on. Move on. I mean, you have, you've, had to, you've made your money. If you want to buy in, you're not going to buy in here. That would be not very smart. So uh, when there's a takeover, that's the end of the story. For you as well, Claude? Yeah, like you can either hold and wait for the cash, which will probably arrive, or you can sell and take it now. It, I don't know. I don't have a preference. I don't know which is the better path. Sometimes there are competing offers. I don't know if that's going to happen here. Probably not. So yeah. nothing bad. Okay. All right. Well, we've got a bit of time for DUG Technology. DUG is the ticker code for Richard. Uh, look, it is uh, going to be building a new data center in Geraldton, WA which will be 100% powered by renewables. And he mentions the pedigree. Company is founder-led and has a really impressive board, including Michael Malone, who is the founder of IINet. Claude, what do you think of DUG technology? Uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, it's definitely something um, to keep an eye on. Uh, it's sort of in my space where, where I like to play. It's not exactly. I think it's more... Um, I, I don't I don't see it as uh, entirely like a, a software company and it, I from memory it's very uh, niche about like um, doing stuff for like um, storing all of the huge data sets that mining and oil and gas companies use for um, you know mapping out the underground so they know mm -hmm. what they're going to dig up so because of that reason and like this is not something against the company, this is just in terms of where my interest lies as an investor. I'm a strong believer that you must try to invest in stuff that you're passionate about, that you're interested in. That's why I look at enterprise software, healthcare tech, um, you know, a bit of telco and that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, I'm not massive on mining oil and gas and that kind of thing. So for that reason, I've never really gotten stuck into this and I've never really gotten passionate about it. So that's why it's not one for me. But having said that, I do agree it could be one that is worth keeping an eye on and it's worth uh, worth looking into. I mean, we were talking about um, a company with a bit of margins of 20% before. Well, well, this one has significantly better than that. It has um, a part of its business has um, a bit of margins of 53%. So, yeah, definitely um, it's got a bit of software. It's got a bit of hardware kind of stuff. It's a bit of a mix there. It's definitely worth looking at. It's under the radar. I like it for someone's watch list. I don't want to be too negative on it, but for me, it won't be probably one that I'm getting stuck into. Okay, and how about you, Rudy? I know that it's in the smaller end of the market, but I know that you like technology as well. Mm -hmm. No, too, too small for me. And also history shows on the ASX that 
companies who are specialized in servicing uh, the resources sector, they, 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 they don't tend to become really, really big and successful. Uh, and that's maybe also because that sector is extremely uh, volatile and cyclical. So uh, not, not on my radar. All right. So that is for Richard. Guys, thank you. It's been a wonderful program as per usual. Great way to end the week. A big thank you to you, Rudy Philippe van Dyke from FN Arena. And to you, Claude Walker from A Rich Life for joining us on your birthday. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the day from all the team here at Ausbiz. Thanks for, Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Let me just quickly run you through in case you're just finessing your notes. Uh, we get to Ostco Healthcare. That's a no. Uh, Rudy found this company actually laughable. It is a no for Claude as well. If, um, if anything, it would be just a very, very short term trade. But uh, the story is approving. The downside's limited, but it's still not a buy. F uh, 5G networks, it's just not attractive to Claude, it'd have to have much improved dividends on offer to make him interested in that one. It's a roll-up model uh, for Rudy. It is a no, it's not even on his radar. Objective Corporation, that's where Claude's enthusiasm comes through. He's got this one right, he's sticking with it. He added to his position not too long ago. He says it is a cracking stock, proper high quality ASX business. Not enough to entice Rudy. After all this time, he says, yes, it's performed a lot better, but it's yet to be a TWE, a technology one, and that is the company that he likes in that space. That's your bonus buy today. Uh, Ripe, it's got a takeover offer on the table. We didn't have to spend a lot of time on this because Rudy says, like, that's it, sell now. Um, and if, a, 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 you know, if the takeover's on the table, it's a hold for Claude. He doesn't know if there will be an improved offer. So again, you hold on, you take the cash and get into something else. DUG technology, it's its like kind of interesting to Claude. It's on his watch list, but it's just not a business that he feels passionate about. So he wouldn't be getting stuck into it in his own money as way. It's too small for Rudy, so it is a no. He doesn't really see the resources sector and leverage to that is one that usually does well. That is the program for this Friday. If you'd like to listen to that again, you can do so in podcast form as well. If you would like us to cover a company, email us at the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us as well. You can find that portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio, that portfolio we've been running since the beginning of July last year. <laughs>